And I invite you to open your Bibles this morning to the book of Galatians, the book of Galatians chapter 2, and we're going to look at verse 20. Jesus came to this earth to give us new birth, to give us a new life, and to give us a new identity. Paul's revelation was not just a revelation for the Apostle Paul, but Paul's revelation is a revelation for each and every one of us. We see and learn about Paul's revelation in the epistles, where he talks about who we are, what we have, and where we are in Christ Jesus. And here's what Paul said in Galatians 2.20. He said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The center of redemption is what God did for us in Christ Jesus. I love how this verse starts out. He said, I am. Don't you know Paul believed in faith's confession? The apostle Paul was the one who penned these words. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy heart and in thy mouth. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So the Apostle Paul starts out real bold, and he said, I am crucified with Christ. You know, if you will make confessions every day according to who you are and what you have, you will come to the realization that what happened on Calvary, what happened on the cross, what happened in his death, his burial, his resurrection and ascension will change everything in your life. It changes who I am. It changes who you are. I'm so glad we don't have to find ourselves on Ancestry.com. We don't find ourselves by our feelings. We certainly don't find ourselves in horoscopes. But you find yourself in Christ Jesus. Oh, I like this I am business. I mean, the world is just full of people who are trying to be and used to be and wannabes. But when you know who you are in Christ, you cannot have an inferiority complex. You once were lost, but when you looked in the Word of God, you have been found in Him. And Jesus found Himself in the Scriptures. You know, Jesus went to the synagogue. And one day, as He went to the synagogue... In Isaiah chapter 4, verse 16 through 18, he came to Nazareth where he'd been brought up as his custom was. And he went into the synagogues on the Sabbath day and he stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of Isaiah. When, when he opened the book, now notice this, he found the place 
where it was written. We could say it this way, Jesus found himself in the Word. And what he found was, described in verse 18, where he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel. Oh, glory to God. To preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. To preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to those that are bruised. When you and I read the New Testament, we find ourselves. One thing about Jesus, he was constantly confessing who he was. He said, I'm the bread of life. I am the good shepherd. I came down not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. He said, I am the resurrection and I am the life. He continually spoke of who he was and why he was there. He carried his identification with him in his heart. Now, when you go to the airport and you are getting ready for a flight... One of the first things they will ask you for is your what? Where's your ID? And if you say, well, I know who I am, but I forgot my ID at home. In other words, you're not carrying your ID. What they're going to say to you is, well, until you find your ID, you ain't going anywhere. And there's a lot of Christians that are not carrying their identification. And as a result, they're not going anywhere. They know a little bit about this. They dabble in it sometimes and sometimes when it's, you know, comfortable to do. But, oh, my brothers and sisters, we are called to carry who we are in Christ. We are called to carry ourselves with confidence. We are called to carry ourselves. Woo! Glory to God. Carriers of the word of life. Amen. <laughs> And so, what do you say we follow Jesus? And let's constantly confess who we are in Christ Jesus. And once you do, hold fast to your confession. Don't let it just be an occasional occasional confession. Every day, confess the Word of God. It is part of renewing your mind to the Word of God. Declare what the Word of God says. Carry these truths with you your entire life. Because what we carry is noticeable. There are too many people carrying things they should not be carrying. Some are carrying the wrong things. They're carrying the weights. They're carrying the cares. They're carrying fear. They're carrying their past around them. What does the scripture say about these four things? Concerning weights, he says, lay them aside. Concerning care, he says, cast them on me. Concerning fear, he says, submit to God, resist 
the devil and he will flee from you. What does God's word say about the past? He said, let it go. Let go of the weights, cast your care on the Lord, resist the devil, and forget those things which are behind. And keep pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Oh, glory to God. So the question I have for you today is, what are you carrying? Not just when you walk in these doors. But what are you carrying on Monday morning? What are, you, what are you carrying at the gas pump? What are you carrying at the grocery line? It does us no good to moan and groan and complain about those things because it doesn't change anything. But God's word never changes. Hey, gas prices are subject to change. Hamburger prices are subject to change. So what we need to do is carry ourselves with the spirit of faith every day of our life. It's just as easy to stay in faith than to go the other way. And staying in faith will pay rich dividends. Staying in faith in the midst of circumstances will keep your soul anchored, praise God, to your blood covenant that you have with God. What are you carrying? Well, I'll tell you what we should be carrying. We're carriers of life. We're carriers of hope. We're carriers of the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so... In your identification, make sure you carry it with you everywhere you go. We carry these truths by speaking up. While we were out of town, I got four things that I'm going to talk about in the next couple of weeks. We won't be able to get all of it today. But as I was waking up one morning, some phrases started going around in my spirit. And it had to do with righteousness. And the four things that we want to cover is the gift of, the force of, the effect of, and the fruits of righteousness. So let's look at this first one just for a little bit this morning. Let's look at the gift of righteousness. This is part of your identification. Look with me now, if you would, to 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter now. And notice with me in verse 21. Now, don't let this be too simple to you. Somebody said, well, I've heard this before. Well, faith does not come by having heard. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, For he hath made him, God made Jesus, to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made, what? Say it with me, I am... I have been made when I got born again I have been made the righteousness of God in him isn't that what the word says so there's no confusion about it you are not an old sinner saved by grace 
You were an old sinner. You got saved by grace. But now, today, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. There's no confusion. Jesus took our sinful condition that we might receive his righteous condition. In Romans, the fifth chapter and the 17th verse, notice with me, it says, for if by one man's offense, death reigned through the one, that's Adam, much more. Those who receive abundance of grace, now notice this, and of the works of righteousness. No, it's a gift. It doesn't come by your works. And by the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by Jesus Christ. So righteousness is a gift. Does anybody have a $20 bill on them? Go ahead and give me a $20 bill and I'll pay you back. All right. Praise the Lord. Amen. I, I saw this. I, I'm good for it. I saw that. Now, where is, is Bertha Allman here? Bertha, stand up. Come on over here, sweetheart. This is Bertha Allman right here. Mike and I have a gift for Bertha. Come on up, Bertha. Bertha, I believe the Lord instructed us to give you as a gift this $20. Praise the Lord. Now notice, notice with me what she did. She didn't say, oh, I'm not worthy. She didn't say, oh, I don't deserve it. Oh, I don't know if I can receive it. What did Bertha do? <laughs> Bertha extended her hand and received the gift. God's got gifts for us. And what he wants us to do is to extend our hand. Come on, somebody. Extend our hand of faith and receive. Come on, put your hand out right now. And say, I receive the gift of righteousness. I receive the joy of the Lord. You don't have to give that back. Go ahead and be seated. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Seriously, the other day as I was preparing this message, for example, a gift, $20 for you, Bertha. Notice she reached her hand out and received. Glory to God. And it's just that easy. You don't have to struggle to receive God's good gifts. You don't have to attain to some sort of moral height and good works to receive this glorious gift of righteousness. Oh, glory to God. Thank God for the gift. Thank God for the gift of Jesus. Amen. You've been born again. Yeah. 
and you're righteous. And incidentally, God does not have economy righteousness. If you fly on a jet, there's economy. There's not so economy. It's, it's like this. They've got economy and it's like, whoa, you mean you're like this. I mean, I mean if you have any height to you, you're like, yes, I'd like some peanuts, but I don't want to. <laughs> Excuse me, I've got to go to the bathroom. And you're like. <laughs> so, so they have economy. And then premium, premium economy. Woo! For 50 bucks, you can get this much more space. And then they have business, and then they have first class. But you know, in Christ Jesus, there is no economy class. There is no premium economy class. There is no business class. There is only first class righteousness in Christ Jesus. Woo, glory to God. You ought to just kind of walk around and say, yeah, I'm a pretty classy guy. Glory to God. First class in Christ Jesus. Amen. Now go over to 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, and let's look at verse 17. First, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Notice this verse. Therefore, if any man be in Christ. He is a new creature. Old things are passed away. And behold, all things have become new. One writer says it this way, new in quality one that is unheard of before. So what are we saying? God sees you in Christ through the blood of Jesus. And did you know that you look a whole lot better in Christ than you do out of Christ? I mean, if you would have seen some of my pictures before in Christ, you would have thought the man of Gadara. But oh, thank God the life of God came on the inside of you. The life of God came on the inside of me. It pushed out darkness. It buried our past. It brought us into right standing with God and made us brand new creations. Glory to God. You are in union with Christ. 1 Corinthians 6, 17. He that is joined unto the Lord is one, one spirit. Weymouth's translation says, but he who is in union with the master. That's what it means to be joined with Christ. To be in union with the master is one with him in spirit. Now get this. The real you, your inner man, your spirit man, is joined in Christ. We are identified with Christ. 
to the degree that it's not parallel, it's joined together in Him. When you get born again, you become in Christed. You are joined to Christ in spirit. Now, it's so, this next part is extremely important. Your faith will never be effectual until you start to acknowledge, confess, and declare your identity in Christ. You've got to acknowledge it. Brenda and I just flew to Oklahoma and thank God for your prayers because all of our flights were on time. Our bags got in our hands just in time. It was a beautiful trip. And so what I've learned to do, instead of going economy, what I do is I try to get in the exit row. Not because I'm afraid, but rather because it's got more leg space. And when you're almost 6'2", like I am, I mean, leg space is really, really good. So as they're preparing to fly in their preparations, the stewardess comes by and asks everyone in the exit row, now, in case of an emergency, I didn't rise up and say, ain't going to be no emergencies up in here. I wanted to be respectful, amen. In case of an emergency, are you able to take care of the door and open it? What they are not looking for is if you go like this, when they ask you that question, they're going to look at you right in the face and say, no nodding here. I need a verbal response. And too many believers are nodding at the promises of God. But God is saying to us that He wants a verbal response. It's one thing to say, but it's another thing to open your mouth and verbalize what you're nodding about. <clears throat> because if you don't open your mouth, oftentimes you will lose by default. Christianity, my brothers and sisters, is called the great confession. God is saying, God is looking at us in our lives. And He's saying, come on, son, step up, stir up, speak up. I need to hear your voice. <clears throat> because when I hear your voice, I'm watching over my word to perform what you are saying. He's looking for more than a nod. And in praise and worship, he's looking for more than... What are you, a deacon-possessed guy or something? He's looking for us to 
raise a hallelujah. He's looking for us to lift up our voice unto Him. Because as we do, it gives Him something to work with. And you know when He works with what you give Him. Glory to God. He will turn your mourning into dancing. He will turn your darkness into light. He will turn your depression into joy. Because it's true that God inhabits the praises of His people. Dad Hagen years ago wrote a book called Seven Steps to the Highest Kind of Faith. And one of the things that he said in his first step is you need to know who you are in Christ. And he wrote that little book called In Him. And in that little blue book, In Him, there are 130 scriptures that tell us who we are, what we have, and where we are in Christ. Now, when you boil that book down, a lot of those are greetings. But when you boil that down, you'll see about 35 scriptures that we need to become familiar with and meditate on it and have it become a part of our life. When you do that, it'll change everything. It'll change, I mean, everything. And then he encouraged every person, every born-again believer, to pray these prayers in the book of Ephesians. And that prayer in the book of Ephesians, just the first part, Paul says, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto me, or you, the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. May the eyes of our understanding be enlightened. The entrance of His Word brings light. The Amplified says, May the eyes of our heart be flooded with light. Something happens when you go from information to revelation. Now, don't misunderstand me. Information is good. It'll change the way that you think. But revelation will change the way you see things. Revelation will change your eyes. Revelation will give you the ability to see others the way that God sees them. Revelation will give you the ability to see yourself as God sees you. Revelation will give us the ability to see our circumstance from way up there in heavenly places, not down here in the nasty now and now. Revelation will enable us to see our future. Our future's bright. Jesus is coming soon. Yesterday when we did a memorial service for Chris Lucas, one of the things that came up in my heart right after I'd preached is I believe the Spirit of the Lord gave me this thought. I'm coming sooner than you think. I mean, I've been listening to preachers here and and preachers there. The other night, Jesse Duplantis, I mean, he really broke it down at the faith convention in Southwest in in, in, uh, Fort Worth. He talked about the rapture of the church. He talked about Jesus coming soon. Last night, I'm sitting in my family room. I turn on YouTube and I see Jensen Franklin. 
And he's preaching on the rapture. He's preaching on the soon coming King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Folks, don't think for one moment that your future is dark. You are in Christ. You're in this world, but you're not of this world. And your future, it is bright. Glory to God. Amen. Bright future. Bright future. I prophesy over you and your family a bright future. I prophesy over your finances a bright future. I prophesy over your physical body a bright future. Glory to God. I prophesy over your children and your grandchildren a turnaround and a bright future. Glory to God. My future is bright. But that can only happen, that attitude can only prevail as the eyes of your understanding are continuously being enlightened. Because your eyes can be enlightened Sunday morning. But Monday's coming. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 6. Ephesians 2, verses 4 through 6 says this, But God, who is rich in mercy, that tells me that God is not just tolerating us. He's rich in mercy. For His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, He quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved, read verse 6 with me, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. If you were able to snap a picture of where we are in Christ Jesus, it's not an individual picture, it's a group picture. We're all seated in Him. The Passion says it this way, just the last phrase. We are co-seated as one with Christ. We are co-seated as one with Christ. A.J. Gordon wrote a book many, many years ago called In Christ. And I want to quote a couple of things from you. God in raising man into union with himself raises him into all that belongs to him into his divine life and to partnership with his divine work. When God raised you together with Christ, he raised you up into everything that belongs to him. Do I need to try this side? I'm going to read that again. When God raised you together with Christ, He raised you up into everything that belongs to Him, His life and partnership with His work. You die in His death. You rise in His resurrection. You ascend in His ascension and are seated with Him at the Father's right hand. It's the same identical life. When you got born again, your spiritual DNA changed. You had a heavenly donor. Come on, somebody. 
You had a heavenly donor. And by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, you and I prevail in life. It's an overcoming life. It's a devil-defeating life. Oh, say it with me. I've been raised up. I've been made to sit down far above all principalities and power. Oh, see yourself that way. See yourself that way. I know when Billy Brim prays, and we saw Billy at a camp meeting, trying to get her to come out here in November. How many of you agree with us? But she has a seat of authority in her little home. And she sits down in her seat of authority like a child of the king. In right standing with God. And as she prays, she doesn't pray from down here. She doesn't pray from a place of defeat. She prays from a place of victory. Brenda exhorted this morning, all I see is victory. All I pray is victory. And she will pray and she will take her place of authority and pray from that place. If Billy did it, you can do it. If you can do it, I can do it. We can do this together. Every day of our lives, in our devotions, we can pray from our place in Christ Jesus. And it will be amazing what you'll see. And it will be amazing the things you will get from the Holy Spirit. And it will be amazing on where you will go in prayer from that seat of authority. He'll take you on a trip without leaving the room. He'll take you into Afghanistan. He'll take you into the White House. He'll take you places in Him by the living power of the Holy Spirit. And he will assign you the ability to pray prayers that will change things without you leaving your chair. Somebody says, oh man, I'd sure like to do that. Well, do it. Somebody says, well, I wish I could believe that. You can. You're a believer. And that what believers do. Believers believe. Drop down to Ephesians 2.10. Ephesians 2.10 says this in the Passion Translation. Will we read it with me, please? Ready, read. We have become his poetry, a recreated people that will fulfill the destiny he has given each of us. The anointed one. Even before we were born, 
God planned in advance our destiny and the good works we would do to fulfill it. Now, now let's look at that verse one more time. There's something in there I want us to see. We have become his poetry. You are his workmanship. God don't make no junk. We have become his poetry, a recreated people that will fulfill the destiny that he has given each of us. Each of us have a destiny. Satan wants to keep us from our destiny. But we have the blood of Jesus. And we can say over circumstances, over our loved ones, Satan, in the name of Jesus, I plead the blood of Jesus over them. You will not keep them from their destiny. That'll work in your home. A destiny fulfilled. A work to do. In union with Christ. Joined unto the Lord as one spirit. The righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Verbalizing, declaring our victory in Him. In raising man, A.J. Gordon says, in raising man into union with himself, raises him into all things that belong to him, into his divine life and a partnership with his divine work. Folks, is there a work to do? I believe that we're in this little sliver of time between dispensations. And in this little sliver of time, there is much work yet to be done. Now, the interesting thing about this work is this work, in a sense, would become sweatless for those who are committed fully to Christ. What I'm saying is that the anointing will come upon the church so strong and the glory of the Lord will be so evident and so manifold in many places that the glory of the Lord will enable us to go from glory to glory, fulfill our destiny, and to finish the work that He's got left for us to do. Amen? So don't miss out. Be committed. Say, I'm in. I'm all in. For the plan... And the purpose of God. We started with Galatians 2.20. We'll end right there. From the Passion Translation says this. My old identity has been co-crucified with Christ and no longer lives. And now the essence of this new life is no longer mine. For the anointed one lives his life through me. We live in union as one. Say with me, I'm living in union as one. My new life is empowered by the faith of the Son of God who loves me so much that He gave Himself for me, dispensing His life into mine. Come September, 
the last Sunday of September, we're going to have a water baptism service. And the water baptism service is a reenactment of what God has done for those that call upon Him in Christ. In this water baptism, there's the death. There's the burial. There's the resurrection. And there's the ascension. It's a reenactment. Communion also is a reenactment. And it's a remembrance of what He's done for us. We take the bread. We take the communion elements. And we apply the bread to our lives. And we apply the blood of Jesus over our spirit, over our soul, and over our body. Now this morning, if you've not yet come into union with Christ, and you want to come in union with Christ, you want to be joined unto Him and become one with Him, the way that you do that, the road that you do that, is the Romans road. And the Romans road simply says this, if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. And if you will believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you'll be saved. So as every head is bound, every eye is closed.